Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. Welcome to Dime Dropper Playoff Recaps. After a couple days off, I hope you all had a great Memorial Weekend. We are back to recap some of the games tonight. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on all platforms at YouTube, at Dime Dro- YouTube, Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course to follow us on all social media platforms at YouTube, I'm sorry, at Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Dime Dropper Pod. So for tonight's uh, tonight's agenda, we're going to be talking about the Lakers and Suns first. Then we'll be talking about the Clippers and the Mavericks. And then I will talk about the Celtics and the Nets, the Celtics season coming to an end tonight. And I will also be going over the... I think I'll just probably briefly talk about all the series, honestly, since you haven't seen me in a couple days. So let's talk about the Lakers and the Suns. The Suns getting a huge win over the weekend. Um... And tying up the series, I thought Devin Booker, he had a solid performance, but I thought Chris Paul was really the guy in Game 4 that looked more like himself. It was his best game of the series, but I had a real big problem with the fact that, first of all, you know, you you hate to see injuries, man. You really do. And I'm not happy that Anthony Davis got hurt. You know, no one is. You know, I hate to see injuries. Uh, we want everybody to play. We want everybody to be healthy. But Anthony Davis, man, this is one of the risks that we knew when the Lakers traded their young core injuries and luckily for the Lakers last season Anthony Davis was healthy and that was an incredible blessing that was the luck so to speak I guess because you know I don't want to you know I some people gave me some uh stick for saying that you know AD is fragile but I'll call my own superstars fragile I mean we had Blake Chris you know even Kawhi and Paul they're not the most durable guys in the world I'm not afraid to call you know as I said we've talked about this in is the NBA getting better and better with uh players now and you know Anthony Davis is probably a, a perfect example of a guy that came up in AAU played tournaments every weekend used the same joints over and over probably was doing a bunch of resistance bands and he gets hurt a lot and every time he hits the floor as a Laker fan you've got to have you know your heart's got to go you know in your throat man because that dude is uh you know he's an injury way to happen and I hate saying that because I really like Anthony Davis and I've always stood up for him before this year because this year he's just not looked right from the beginning. You know, he was playing through an injury in the finals, a slight one, but he still looked fantastic. But given the short turnaround, it's been a really tough burden for the Lakers to, you know, and then LeBron getting hurt doesn't help either. So tonight, or I'm sorry, in that game four, because I'm sorry I'm going over this before we get into tonight's game because I wasn't able to do anything on it. But, you know, when AD goes down and you're only down four points in that second half and you have a chance to make the series 3-1, LeBron James, as the best player in the NBA that I've I've said he is all season, needs to take over and get to the rim. He can't just take two shots in the third quarter. Like, with that level of help besides you, or beside you, that's unacceptable. You're the leader of this team. You're the guy that they put up with there with the greats of the game. You gotta lead by example. I've... And you know, this it's let's not act like he's a cripple limping out there. I know he's not 110% like he was in the beginning of the season. But this man was catching off the backboard lobs over Mikhail Bridges' neck. So miss me with the excuses again. 
if you want to make him because he will. And then in the fourth quarter, he starts scoring to make it look like, oh, let me get my let me get my 25 points. I've seen through it, man. I was a LeBron fan. I know what he does. That's unacceptable. And then at the end of the game, Schroeder, who has been, we're going to get into him, but Dennis Schroeder, who was terrible in the second half as well. It's not just Braun. Dennis Schroeder, you know, Caruso offensively, he's just not it. And in that third quarter, I'm sorry, or in that uh, game th- four, Dennis Schroeder was poor, and at the end he missed that layup, and LeBron is not even in the screen. And Jay Crowder gets an open three, and Jay Crowder, ever since that game three where he got clowned, he's really brought it, and that's been a huge difference maker for the Suns. He was really good in game four, and the Suns were able to catch, uh, tie up the series. And then going into this ser- uh, game five tonight, no Anthony Davis. There's been a lot of speculation over the last couple of days. What LeBron James are we going to get? Are we going to get a takeover LeBron? Or, you know, what are we going to get? What are we going to get? Because we've seen LeBron carry teams before. No Anthony Davis. And he made the comments. He made the comments after last game. These shoulders are built to carry. If you got to put a little bit more load on them, then I'm ready for the challenge. Well, right now... The only thing that he can carry on his shoulders is some fucking bubble wrap. Because he looked like Lequit tonight from the jump. He scored a nice back cut layup and then he hit a three. And I was like, okay, okay. LeBron looked like he came to play tonight. After that, it was LeBron shooting a ton of threes. It was them after that going into facilitator mode. No, 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 no. Facilitator mode cannot happen anymore. You've got to drop 30 at least in a game like this. You've got to attack relentlessly. And you know who was attacking relentlessly? Devin Booker. Devin Booker was phenomenal. And I've been saying it all year. And, you know, my boys, uh, you know, shout out KB, Kelvin Billings Magic, KB Magic, if he's in the chat right now. He he and I have been going back and forth, a little friendly banter about CP3 or Book. Devin Booker has been the best player for the Suns in this playoffs. 18 points in the first quarter. And you know what was unlocking that? Coming off screens, putting Drummond in the pick and roll. This is where AD was missed on that backside. Because Drummond, he's slow-footed. So if he comes out and commits too much, people get by him. Somebody that was getting by him a lot? Campaign. But let's go back to Booker for a sec. He has learned a little something from Chris. But honestly, he was doing it last season. So he's always been well-rounded in where he gets his, where he gets his points, which I love about him. He's not like Harden. Or uh, even right now, what LeBron turned into, where he's just a three and layups guy, and sometimes floaters. Like he utilizes every ounce of the of the court, you know, to score in the in the front court. And Devin Booker was coming off those screens and getting those mid ranges and getting some nice and ones, you know, really feeling out the defender. He was on his hip, just playing his angles really well. It was phenomenal, and that's something that you know you see LeBron lacks right now, and has always kind of lacked at times is that stop on a dime mid-range pull because he has like a little hitch in his game. He has a little, you know what I mean? It's kind of a little stiff the way he is. You know, it's not like just the stop on a dime, rise and pull like the Devin Booker. He has like more of a set shot where he needs to square himself, you know, and he he needs to kind of, it's either all the way or it's a running floater. And he didn't get to the rim enough. What I like is in the second half, you saw one of the moves that I think he's done better over the years where he has this drifting left kind of 10-footer. I don't know why he didn't go to this more. He was getting, he looked like he had no lift. And there was a, too big of a portion in that first quarter where the Suns were just pouring it on. And this guy, I mean, on defense also, he was in no man's land. Invisible. Like, just his body language was terrible. And this is, the reason why I'm getting on him is, but obviously, you, you know the deal with me and Braun. But 
like, this is supposed to be a statement game as a leader, as the best player in the NBA. You know, okay, you don't win the game, that's fine, but at least show that you give a fuck. What was that, man? On both ends of the court, you're standing in no man's land. Mikael Bridges, mind you, has been a sniper for the majority of this series. And he was hitting his corner threes like there's no tomorrow. Let's talk about Dennis Schroeder, too. In the beginning of the game, he got plenty of open looks to shoot a three, and he didn't want to take it for some reason. He was scared of the moment. You know, this was a night where the role players needed to step up. You know, I always talk about, you know, stars need to lead by example. But you know what? What about the... What about the role players? Dennis Schroeder, nowhere to be found. I thought Kyle Kuzma wasn't that bad. I thought he was decent. Uh, he ended up with 15 points on 6 of 13. So, you know, he was actually the second highest scoring Laker. Andre Drummond, 7 points. 2 of 5, 13 boards. He's just a space taker upper. Marcus only played 10 minutes, and I think that Frank Vogel's got it all wrong. I think Frank Vogel honestly should have played Montrader because one thing you're going to get from Montrader is you know he's going to try hard. And the Lakers just lacked heart tonight. And this is for all you bozos in my comment section on YouTube talking about the Clippers lack heart. You know what? Last season's in the past, guys. That 2020 Lakers team may have had some heart and that Clippers team may have been spineless. But right now, it may look like the other way around right now because this Laker team looks like they have no fight left in them right now. Just right now. The series ain't over. But Dennis Schroeder was just poor. He was just not... Ever since he came back from that injury, I don't know. He looked suspect. But no excuses. He didn't perform. And let's be honest. Dennis Schroeder, he's good. He's good. But he's not. A, he's never been to the finals. I mean, not like he's been on a team that should go in the finals, to be honest. But I don't know. He's not playing well. Let's just leave it at that. And I thought that LeBron, at the end of the first, tried to... And he played the whole first quarter. He played, like, almost the whole first half. But he might as well have gotten a rest and played a little harder when he was in. Because... He started to play a little better in the middle of that second quarter. Dude, it was trash. You know, no mid-range, no pull-up, no post-up, you know. Just want to dribble, and he kills so much rhythm for the team. There's no ball move because he wants to dribble at the top. And he's doing that, and then he started doing the freaking, when he was like 3 of 9, he started doing that, oh, end of the shot clock, I'm just going to throw it to Ben McLemore, KCP, at two seconds when your guy is barely, barely cheating off you. It's mind-boggling leadership, or lack of it. You know, and I'm not going to go into... How he's, oh, you know, so overrated, all this. I've said my pieces on him many a time. So now I'm just going to let you guys see it for yourselves because it's in front of your eyes. Anyway, let's talk about the Suns, though. Campaign. How incredible has he been this series? He's turned into freaking, I don't even know. I mean, he's replaced Chris Paul's, like, worth. Not exactly, but he's been unbelievable. He's been taking everybody off the dribble. Everyone. He's been so fast. He's killed it on his floater. He's hit his three. He's played with a lot of heart. You know, the Torrey Craigs, the Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowders, they've shown a lot of heart for this Suns team. And the Suns have just been playing with so much. They really wanted it more tonight. I mean, Mikhail Bridges, 13 points, 5 of 10 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3. Jay Crowder, 9 points. All of his shots were threes, 3 of 9. But that doesn't go to show his impact because his defense was very good. Uh, campaign, 16.7 of 11 from the field. I mean, he was just phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And the Suns win it, 115-85. to 85. The game was over at halftime because the Lakers scored only 10 points in the second quarter. And I saw LeBron trying to get his stats in the third quarter. I, he thinks he's slick. Like, dude, just shooting a lot of threes. He needed to go to the basket. He needed to shoot 20-plus shots tonight. 
9 of 19. Oh, fantastic efficiency. Give me a fucking break. I saw him prioritizing it. It's pathetic. 6 of 10 from 3. Wow, you were amazing. Zero free throw attempts. That tells you everything you need to know. He didn't get to the rim. This is LeBron James. He's a truck. He's one of the highest field goal percentages within 3 feet in the history of basketball. This is bad. This is real bad. Um, the Suns, man. This is incredible. And by the way, the Phoenix Suns have, I'm sorry, LeBron James has never trailed a first-round series 3-2 in the first round in his entire career. This is the first. Will it be the first time he loses in the first round? Man, if the Lakers are a first-round exit, ooh, it's going to be some fun nights on Dime Dropper after you shit-talkers last year. It's going to be unreal. But the series ain't over. And it's really all contingent on if AD comes back. If Anthony Davis comes back in Game 6, I think that that will energize the team. And I think that they may get a win. And then you go to Game 7 and you got you know LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I think that your odds are pretty decent. But if AD does not play, I think that the Suns may finish this off next game. And here's the thing about... You know, Caruso also didn't give enough offensively. And Wes Matthews just didn't give enough offensively. I mean, one of five. One of five from three. Some of these were good looks. You know, the defense. They were not in sync tonight. The communication was off. And here's the thing about Anthony Davis, guys. Anthony Davis, like, we know LeBron's the conductor. We know LeBron is the guy that, you know, sets the, sets the table. But I've said it since the beginning. Since the very beginning with all my friends that know about um, the Lakers uh, I'm sorry, about Anthony Davis and what I've said since he's been on the Lakers. He's the guy that scares people. He's the one that takes them over the top. He's the one that... LeBron makes them that playoff team, but Anthony Davis is really what makes them that championship team, what gives them that edge on both ends of the floor. And without him, the Lakers are just... And Le, here's the thing. Ever since the first stint he's had in Cleveland, when LeBron doesn't have the chips in his favor, besides the 2015 finals, he folds very easily. Against, you know, when, when the team, when he plays against real, real, real good opposition. He can fold very easily in certain games. And right now he folded quick. The body language was off. And to say that shoulder stuff and then the storms are coming, I mean, clown talk, actually. He needs to perform in game six. This is your goat for some of you guys. But the Phoenix Suns, you got to give him a ton of credit. Devin Booker was just unbelievable. In his first playoffs, he's killing it right now. 30 points, 13 to 23, and 2 of 6 from 3 to go along with 7 boards and 5 assists. The Suns win it by 30 points. And the Lakers are now one game away from being eliminated in the first round. The Western Conference favorite that Lakers and Nets was penciled into the finals. But let's see with AD. Let's move on to the Clippers. Wow, guys. Uh, I'm at a real loss for words with what's happened and what happened in the last game. The energy, the defense, the intensity, the organization. It was very clear that Ty Lue told the boys to run the Mavericks off the three-point line. Tim Hardaway Jr., Maxi Kleba, Dorian Finney-Smith, Chris Stapps. We ran him off the line every time. We prevented so many more open threes than in the first two games. And it's clear that Ty Lue made adjustments. So I criticized Ty Lue a lot in the, in the first two games, and rightfully so. And he did it. He adjusted, unlike Glenn Rivers. And the Clippers, man. 
I called them weak, spineless, my, you know, they proved me wrong. And that's the thing. When I stopped believing in these guys, as I said in episode three, they just make, they just, they just, they somehow come through then. And it was just an unbelievable, fo- unbelievable focus to go into a rock in Dallas American Airlines Center, you know, first time seeing their, their golden boy Luca in the playoffs in front of them and go in there and take the life out of that building in game four. Not even give them a chance. Up 12 points, 31-19 at the end of the first quarter, and we never looked back. And you got to look at where it starts from the top. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And they've been very phenomenal so far in these first four games of the playoffs, especially Kawhi, who you could argue has been the best player maybe in the entire playoffs. Because even though he's uh, defensively, you know, he hasn't been, you know, the lockdown lockdown of the 2014 Kawhi. But in the last couple of games, he started to pick it up a little bit. We've done a little bit more hedge and recover. Reggie Jackson comes up and shows for a second. And then Kawhi gets back and we go underneath the screen. And since Luka got that little neck injury, he hasn't looked around the same. But respect to Luka for not making excuses in the postgame. Um, but Luka is starting to look like uh, Shaquille Luka O'Neal. Because that dude is brick squad at the free throws. This is freaking Ben Wallace style. It's hilarious, honestly. It's actually comedy that he can make step back threes with, with minimal effort. And he can't make a free throw to save his life. And I'm loving that. I'm loving that. And we're going at him defensively. We're putting Porzingis in the pick and roll. And Kawhi Leonard has started out the last two games in Dallas like 5 of 5. Like, he's just getting in his mid-range area. He's going to the rim. And that's the thing I've been loving about this series is Kawhi and Paul have been going to the rim. with a, Especially Paul George. Because we've criticized how soft he goes up sometimes. And sometimes he doesn't get calls. Well, he has just been phenomenal. Playoff P. He has stood up to the critics, including me. I've been a critic, and I'll take my L so far. Remember, the series ain't over, but right now, he is playing incredibly. And, you know, that 20 points, 6 to 16, and 3 to 6 from 3 won't do him justice, but he was in tough shots. And when he gets going, man, he's had stretches in this, in this series, in games 3 and 4 especially, where there's just nothing you can do about the shots he's hitting. Catch and shoot threes. Off the dribble threes. Step back. I mean, he's just fully in his bag. They have nobody that can guard Kawhi. Nobody that can guard Paul uh, George. You know, God bless Maxi Kleba, but he cannot do anything against Kawhi. And let's be honest. All you guys that wanted to come at me about Luka being the best player in the series. Luka's dominated the Clippers two years in a row. Kawhi fucking Leonard has dominated the Mavericks two years in a row. They have no answer for him at all. And they never have. Never have. And here's the thing. I, Luca's 22, so we're going to be, you know, objective. He's not supposed to be doing this better than Kawhi. He's not supposed to be matching him up like this. However, I'll say this. You don't ask Luca to check Kawhi. But Kawhi, you know, we want him to check Luca because he's held to that standard. And here's the thing. He's done a little bit more these last couple games. But you know what? We got to give Ty Lue credit because we went small, put Nick Batum in there last game, and he just has been like he has been all season. Phenomenal. Incredible. His communication is on point. He knows exactly where to be on defense. His rotations are great. He makes his open threes. He makes the extra pass. He moves without the ball. He makes timely shots. He is that dude. I cannot believe how great he's been this season. And he was fantastic. And because of the end of game three, guess who's back into his groove? Say it with me. Marcus Morris Sr. Just drink some water. And right now, Reggie Jackson's jumper is also water. Right now, the Clippers are in a groove. The momentum of this series has completely changed. And that starts with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. That starts with the coaching staff. 
you know, I think Zubats, you know, he didn't play as much. They tried to go with Boban, and that was a nice little adjustment that they made, but Zubats came in, and I thought he countered it pretty well. Um, Porzingis actually didn't play that badly in the last game, but, dude, that guy is just, as I said, he's pretty weak. Like, for the most part, we're chilling with him. 18.7-12 for him. But here's the thing. Did we ever consider what's going to happen if Luka has a bad game? Because last game, he had a bad game. He was holding the LeBron style, holding the ball way too long, killing all of his teammates' rhythm for a lot of step backs, a lot of tough shots that he didn't make. He was 0-5 from the line, 1-7 from 3, 9-24 overall, and 19 points. And when, when you center your team around one guy doing everything like that, and he doesn't have a good game, well, good luck with everybody else bailing you out. And then they say he doesn't have help. No. These are human beings. They need to touch the ball and get different touches throughout the game. And Luca, when he doesn't have the ball, he stands at half court watching the game like everybody on everybody in this chat. And that's easy to guard for us, I'm afraid, for you Mavs fans. And here's the thing. You gave us life now. Two games, we beat the shit out of you. Daddy Dirk may not be here to save you anymore. But this series is far from over because we've lost every single game at home so far. And we haven't won a home playoff game since game two, 2017 against the Jazz. I was there. We need to win a playoff game tomorrow. And of course, I will be there. And Ty Lewis asked for it to be loud. So Clipper Nation, I'm speaking to you directly. If you are going to the game tomorrow and you are not there to make noise from the tip-off, not that casual-ass, lax Los Angeles, we're only going to be loud in the fourth quarter, BS. We got to turn back the clock to those Spurs series in 2015, that Warriors series in 2014, where that place was bumping. If you see a Mavs fan or you see a Laker fan, tell them, go fuck themselves. Because this is our time. This is our time to take, defend home court, go up 3-2, and have get one step closer to getting closer to breaking that curse of that second round. Be loud. Be proud. Clipper Nation, make some noise. We need to welcome these boys back. Like heroes, because they went in there and did what everybody wrote them off. I wrote them off even as a fan, just because of the past experiences. You know, it's hard. I thought we would win one game, not two. To go in there and win both, when, when they're down 30 to 11, man, that takes some serious heart. And a lot of Clipper teams we've seen in the past, we know, did not have that heart. And maybe, just maybe, they're going to win both these games and win 4-2. But that being said, we just got to focus on tomorrow, because we cannot take this team for granted. Luka's going to play better. Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to play better. He had two bad games in Dallas. One of eight. He was terrible. Four points. Part of that's because he ran him off the line. Maxi Kleba, 0 for 3. Donut. Dorian Finney-Smith, 8 points. 3 of 9. All of them are poor. So we need to keep running them off the line, but we need to stay focused. We need to stay uh, connected on D. And we need to... And by the way, uh, we need to see Kawhi and Paul stay in attack mode. And by the way, playoff Rondo. I mean, how phenomenal is he? So in control. You know, whenever, sometimes they make a run, he just slows it down. He knows exactly what to do. He can get to the rim on a lot of guys still. And he makes, he's, his jumper has just gotten a lot better the last couple of years. Let's look at his line. Seven points, three of six, one of four from three. Five boards, four assists, a steal and a block, plus 14. But Kawhi Leonard was my player of the game with 29 points. 10 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks, a plus 27 plus minus, 11 of 15 from the field, and 2 of 3 from 3. That tells you that he was going to the basket a ton. And then Paul George with 20 points, 6 of 16 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3, and a plus 19. 
He finished with 20. Reggie Jackson with 15 points on 5 of 12 and 3 of 8 from 3. Senior with only 9 points and 8 rebounds, 3 of 5, 1 of 2 from 3. And Nick Batum with 10 points, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists to go along. I'm sorry, not 10 points, 5 rebounds, 4 steals, 2 blocks on 3 of 8 from the field. What a win for the Clips. We got to win tomorrow. And I would say this. I've been to, or in the Lob City era, we had, I believe, four game fives in the first round tied at two at home. We had 2013 against the Grizzlies, and we lost, and we ended up losing the series. We had the 2014, when I was at, with the Donald Sterling, after the Donald Sterling incident, we were tied 2-2 with Golden State, and we won that, which was, and we ended up winning the series, which was indicative of winning that game. 2015 against the Spurs, we lost and had to go to a hostile San Antonio and somehow got that win, but that was very nervy. We don't want to put ourselves in that position. And I have a feeling, I don't know, man, this team is one of those that may put themselves in that position, make life harder for them. I hope not, though. I hope the momentum has shifted. I mean, Charles Barkley thinks that we're not going to lose another game, but Charles Barkley also ain't the best with predictions. Um, what else? Then there was, the, oh, never mind, actually. I think it was five times. 2016, we were 2-2, but we were injured with both Chris and Blake, so we lost that one, ended up losing the series. And then 2017, we had a 2-2. I was also at that, and we lost. Obviously, no Blake Griffin, and then we ended up losing in seven. We somehow brought it back, but we got to win that game five, man. We got to win that game five. Crowd's got to be into it. I'm going to be into it, as always. The vlog is going to come. We got to get it done. Let's move on to... And yeah, I'm just excited, man. We we have life again. It's 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 it went from man, Clippers gonna get swept. Clippers have no fight. I went out all you guys in the comment section because you deserve it for talking all that trash so prematurely. Um But yeah. The title charge back on? No, one game at a time though. But um it's unbelievable because I mentally checked out. You saw me. I was trying to put it in my brain to, to soften the blow. But uh, let's 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 focus on that tomorrow. Let's move on to the Celtics and the Nets. The Celtics put up a good fight in the first half. Uh, Marcus Smart's shot selection really pisses me off, though. Five of seventeen from the field and one of ten from three. But overall, when that Nets team gets going, it's just so hard to stop them. They need, you know, the Bucks are going to be a great matchup for them. They're going to have guys that can match up with them defensively. And and the, the Celtics just didn't have the offense without Jalen Brown, Kimba Walker. You know, the Time Lord setting screens and being an athletic lob threat in this series. And the Nets switch everything, which is very, very, very easy to exploit because they don't have the best defenders in the world. But the Celtics just didn't have the firepower. And Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and, and James Harden, you know, they don't play like a team. They just move, they just, they just take turns one on one. But it's so hard to stop them because they're probably the three best ISO players, one on one players in the league on the same team. And I don't think it's unfair because of their defense and the, the way I said it. But. You got to be ready to match them in scoring. You got to be ready to sit down and play defense for 48. And it's just crazy that, you know, they only played seven games and they may win the championship just because talent. And there's no, as I said, there's no team that can blend chemistry and insane talent. The Bucks do have that chemistry. I think they do have that fight. They don't even have that talent. You can argue that James Harden's better than Giannis. He's their second best player. But I'm super looking forward to that. Let's talk about, by the way, Kevin Durant. Like, I know that everybody wants to hate on him. But he's playing, like, arguably the best player in the NBA right now. Like, he was very sacrificial tonight and went off later in the game and had 24 points on 50% shooting and 66% from 3, 4 of 6. James Harden was unbelievable, though. 34, 10, and 10. He was an attack one from the jump. 10 of 17 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3, and 10 of 11 from the line. And that's the thing with this, with, uh, with this Nets team. I think they've only missed 12 free throws in the whole series. 
So, James, there's a, well, I will say this. The refs were giving the Nets everything tonight. Absolutely everything. I feel bad for the Celtics. Tatum did not get the calls, and that's going to be so annoying. James Harden's so annoying to watch this foul-baiting nonsense. But, man, Kevin Durant is a joy to watch. Like, he reminds me of Jordan and Kobe so much in the sense that he wastes such little movement. You know, one or two dribbles, he can get into a spot. He loves the mid-range. He moves without the ball, so he doesn't take away from anybody. And you got to acknowledge, man, that Kevin Durant, he may be the best player in the league right now. He may be. I know he's got that team, but to me, it's not like the dubs because they don't move the ball like that. They don't, like, you never know where they're going to hit you. You know, with the Nets, you know where they're going to hit you. It's like, can you stop them? The Warriors, it's just like, they're just, you know, they move the ball like crazy. And I think their defense was a lot better, honestly, than this Nets team. But Celtics, man, let's talk about them. They were a dime dropper team. You know, my my college, uh, that's my homeland in the college, my college uh, area. But um, it, it was a very, very bad season for the Celtics. I had them finishing, I think, fourth or third in the East. And we thought maybe they'd progress because of Jalen and Tatum. Um, and I, we didn't, I didn't think Hayward was going to be that big of a loss. But it ended up being a really bad loss because Kemba Walker is just not the same anymore. And I, I think for the Celtics' sake, that needs to be the last time we see Kemba Walker in a Celtics uniform. And it's sad because I think that Danny Ainge did a really good job getting Kemba and replacing Kyrie with him. But And Kemba was the best point guard in the Eastern Conference last year in the regular season before the pandemic. He really was. I mean, he started in the All-Star game and well-deserved. His leadership was great. He's really let Jalen and Tatum come into, his own, come into their own and that's what you got to do. Because here's the thing about Kyrie Irving, and you're seeing it with the Nets right now. He's a shooting guard in a point guard's body. And he has, his only goal is to go out there and score 30 and put pressure on the defense that way. He doesn't want to set the table. He doesn't want to get you involved. He doesn't want to move the ball. He wants to score. And if that's what you're asking him to do as a Celtic point guard and develop these young guys, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, he's not that fit. And he's not the leader. And that's why he's a great secondary, tertiary guy. He's not a leader. And that's why he was so hated in Boston. And... You know, and, and rightfully so. I mean, his attitude was terrible that second year. If you look at that first year that he was on the Celtics, he only averaged like 22 points a game. He would save himself, and at the end, he would take over. And that's the way you got to be. And I don't know what happened. I think that he got jealous because the, the Celtics made a seven-game series run without him. So he was like, next year, I'm trying to drop 30, and this is going to fall on my shoulders if we lose. Well, Kyrie Irving ended up missing more shots, I'm pretty sure, than... than um, I think he ended up missing more shots than points scored possibly in that Bucks series. I think that was a stat. I may be wrong. But regardless, you know, the Celtics with Kemba Walker, I mean, that injury just hasn't done him well. He needs to uh, probably go. It just depends on who's going to be able to take his contract. Uh, Celtics need to do a better job strengthening the supporting cast. But I will say this. A first season of the Time Lord, Peyton Pritchard, Romeo Langford, who showed some good signs as the season went on. I think that will be good. And I think that Tatum and Jalen having a real offseason to, you know, develop a little more, rest a bit. I mean, it was a very a very short turnaround. The Celtics were killed by COVID in the beginning of the season. You know, it wasn't the most lucky season for the Irish. But I think that Ainge will have pressure put on him because it's the Celtics are like the Lakers, you know. The best, nothing but the best is accepted. And, you know, you got to, Jason Tatum is, is playing is in that he's a, easily a top 15 player in the league right now. And, you know, by the, maybe he's a top 10. We'll talk about that, you know, after this first round and after this season maybe. But he's definitely in that top 15. And Jalen Brown has gotten better, a lot better, every year. So it's time to put some better role players around these guys. And I think that Danny Ainge will do that. Uh, Brad Stevens, though, do they keep him or do they, or they, do they uh, fire him? 
I personally think they should go a different direction. I think it's gone a little stale. I think their offense is very predictable. It's just Tatum and Jalen high pick and roll for the most part, and occasional Jalen, you know, coming off a down screen. It's not very creative. I don't think that they're very motivated anymore. And I, maybe I'm wrong, but whatever. Um, it was a bad season for the Seas, but if I'm a Celtics fan, I'm not. I'm not too worried. I think that it won't get worse than this. And I think that if you're a fan of another team and you're criticizing the Celtics, I think you need to realize their best player is my age. He's 22 years old. I mean, how many 22-year-olds have led their team to a championship to win it? Not get there like LeBron did against the Pistons, I'm aware. I watched it. But to win it, it's a big difference. And, you know, I mean, that's not, that's not easy. That doesn't happen like that. So not everyone's Tim Duncan. I don't even know if he was 22. So you've got to be patient. It's a process. You just got to put the right guys around to help them improve. And, you know, you want to see them play with more fight than they did this season as well. As for the Knicks and the Hawks, man, the Hawks are really showing their quality. Uh, they have so many weapons. And Trey Young has really made me look the fool. Ever since Nate McMillan's taken over, he's just been so much smarter, so much better in his shot selection, so much better as a leader. And I think that these Hawks are just, they have so many weapons with Bogdanovich, with Gallo, with John Collins, with DeAndre Hunter, with Capella on the defensive end. And the Knicks, man, Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett have shot the bed. They've really shot the bed. And Julius Randle just doesn't know how to, uh, uh, how to handle a double team. He, the areas that he has the ball are terrible. He wants to play point guard and just start from the three-point line when they can all load up on him. Doesn't want to get in the post. Doesn't want to get low post position. Um, you know, they load again, loading up is just not an excuse. You gotta have a post game. You gotta have a mid-post fade. Like, he doesn't have that. You gotta go watch some Willis Reed tape or something. Like, it's very disappointing. And the shooters are not, you know, Derek Rose has been their best player. And the Hawks have nuclear weapons, and you have to throw two a tray on the screens, so you know what happens next. This series is in the refri- it's done. It's in the refrigerator. Um, I think the Knicks could win game five, and I hope they do. I had Knicks in seven, but that was a little bit of a homer pick. It's going to be Hawks in six, but it could be Hawks in five. And I think this, if you're a Knicks fan, I know it's disappointing. I think I'll be really disappointed in Tibbs and the defensive strategy. I think that they just really have not been that best defensive team in the league that we thought they would be. It hasn't been good enough on Trey from the jump. And, you know... It is still a successful season for the Knicks. They've far overachieved. And I think that this will maybe get help a free agent want to move over there. And they'll be attractive this summer. And you see what the fans are like. You see what it's like when the Knicks are winning. It's it's unlike any other feeling or up there with any other team. So I think that, that things may be looking up for the Knicks. Anyway, do we have any more to talk about? Oh, I watched. I didn't watch the whole game. I didn't even watch a full quarter. But I watched some of the overtimes. But what a game in Denver. Um, Damian Lillard making some incredible threes. One to end regulation and tie the game. Uh, and then another one to end overtime and tie the game. Unbelievable. But it was, I saw some big passes from Jokic and a big three from Jokic. And I think the double overtime. Maga Porter Jr. made the go-ahead shot. And it was, it, it was a big win for the Nuggets. And they're one step closer to that second round. I had Nuggets in seven. I expect the Blazers to win game six. And I wanna, I'm going to watch the game probably just to tell you more about it. I'll talk about it more. Uh, probably Thursday, or just, just, I won't talk about game five really as much Thursday, but I'll, you know, it'll be better because I'll see more of the series. I'll watch game five, I'll watch game six, because it seems like maybe one of the most fun series, if not maybe the most fun. So, it'll be interesting to see who's going forward. Uh, I think, honestly though, this is looking like, if you're a Suns fan, you can get out of this series, man. You got a great chance to go to that conference finals again. And oh man, if the Lakers get eliminated... 
how does that open the door for us to really do this? That's it for me tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to be tomorrow doing the vlog, so no live. Thanks for joining me. Now we're going to go to the live subscribers, 60 of them waiting so patiently, a lot less than the Clippers when, when they lose. But it's my night to have fun, and it's Clippers fans' night to have, to have some fun as the Laker fans squirm a bit. Good night, y'all.